I found an interesting research stat when I was in the car industry at Mercedes-Benz. The safest seat in the car is the one behind the driver because in an emergency, a driver will wow. steer to save themselves. The driver's going to protect himself. And if you sit behind them, you're That's one amazing. layer back from the action. But you're in the best path. <laughs> <laughs> this safety tip proudly brought to you by uh, Shramco and Sales Marketing Profit. SalesMarketingProfit.com Real world case studies. No theory, just real results. You're listening to SMP with James Shramko and Taki Moore. James Shramko here. Welcome back to Sales Marketing Profit. It's so nice to have you here and also to have you, Taki Moore, co-host of this show. Dude, great to be back. I was here yesterday. I don't know where you were. You were. You, you got a 24-hour start on the program. I was very excited to see your very excited text message. I was like, James, James, where are you? I'm ready. You just, where, where uh, I'm ready when you are. And James goes, it's tomorrow. I'm like, oh, yeah. So that's what happens when your business is running so well. You've got entire days up your sleeve and you're ready to launch into it. And that was on a Monday, and most people just hate Monday. They're not even ready to come to work. We like Mondays, though. Monday means no customers for me. Yeah, totally. Monday totally means no customers. Mate, must be your show today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is, 23, and we're going to do a show called The Upgrade about a great client called Gabby from down in Melbourne who I met about four months ago now. You know, amazing, passionate small businesswoman, fairly new into this biz. When I met her, she uh, you know, she joined my program. What's really going on? What was the, the big problem? She was working with the wrong customer and deep down in her gut, she knew it. You know, She's working with people who are complaining about price, not implementing the stuff she taught them. As a result, she's kind of working really, really hard, not just over-delivering in a good way, but like literally putting on, having too many deliverables in her program, people getting overwhelmed and not doing it and made a whole bunch of assumptions that because I'm working, she was working with service providers, you know, many healers, you know, like uh, naturopaths and people like that and made some decisions on their behalf that, you know, well, they couldn't afford something big and expensive. They couldn't afford what I really want to do. So I'm going to drop my expectations, drop my price and over deliver to kind of keep this market happy. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. It's um, kind of a fear thing when we're publishing stuff or providing services that maybe we can't charge more, even if there are customers for that price range. But it's also pretty common, and especially in service-related industries, in that kind of market where you have empathetic, caring, helpful... Yeah, good people who want to change the world. Almost leaning towards martyrdom, I'd call it. Yes. And I've, I've come from an environment where this is common too. My mum's always supported Mercedes-Benz charities like the Red Cross and the Smith family. She's been working for them since she was a kid at school mm. and always giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And she's still in a service-related industry. And it is tempting to think that, well, you know, I need to help all these people even though they can't afford it. And, and then you end up providing a substandard situation for you and for them. Correct. Sometimes having a higher price solution can actually help people get a better result. And importantly, you said it, she had too much stuff. Sometimes if you take things away from people, then you're giving them a better result than if you're adding more things. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting distinction because what happens often is we, in our quest to kind of improve our value and you know, either perceived value or, or real value, 
we go, you know, how much, how many steak knives can I throw at this thing? You know, like how many bonuses, how many this? If you think about it, people hire us because they want to get up to the top of a mountain, you know, metaphorically speaking. And so the more stuff we give them, you know, we go, hey, we're going to give you these CDs and these workshops and this and that and this and that. We, we kind of load them up with stuff to make it seem more valuable. But really what we've done is we've put all this gear into their backpack and now they've got this big heavy bag and it's actually harder to get up the mountain than without it. So the secret to a great program like yours and like mine is what can we remove from the program so we give people what they actually need, you know, what they need to know, not everything you know because, you know, everything that you know, James, is a lot and everything I know is a lot. So it's about how can we strip it back? Well, we just want to give someone one great knife that they can cut anything with, steak, vegetables, um, and it's easy <laughs> to carry. <laughs> they don't need the steak knife set. You know, Taki, I just deleted about three auto bins full of old information products from yeah, seven yeah, yeah. eight years ago. All the classics, the product launch formulas, the traffic secrets one and two, the blueprint formula, the all the, the maverick bits and pieces, all this stuff. And I was just thinking, how inconvenient is this format? Firstly, I don't even have a way to play CD-ROMs anymore on my computer. Right. Even like CDs. Like where do you have a CD player? Maybe in the car. You don't. Maybe the PlayStation, but that's not very practical. No. So – it's not con- not good to consume and you always feel overwhelmed like it's this huge thud factor box and you look at it and think, oh, it's going to take hours to get through that. You know, Gary Halbert said, idiots weigh value by the pound. <laughs> right. So completely true. And, but, and they talk about it in marketing, you know, thud factor, blah, blah, blah. They talk about thud factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this coach once years ago. I was talking to this dude, smart guy, been coaching for ages, really smart cat. And he said, I've got this time management program. I think it'd really help you. I said, well, tell me about it. He goes, it weighs 13 kilos. Like that was some kind of benefit. (laughs) And you said, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that, dude. (laughs) Yeah, that's just insane. Like it's like 13 kilos. Anyway, let's get back to Gabby. So Gabby is um, dealing with the wrong customers at at too low a price point and and trying to get them to do a lot of stuff and they're not being successful with it and she's not feeling that it's going so well. No, so she's kind of come to this realization that she's been targeting people who want to make a difference, which is awesome and noble, but as a result, she's, she's tired all the time, she's working really hard, she's burnt out. Even though she's working like double full time, the business income wise was you know, frankly, you know, a little bit like a hobby. And she's getting frustrated at her clients because she's an, a go-getter. She's, she's got batteries included and they didn't. And so she's kind of putting in all this effort and just feeling like she's not rewarded. Kind of frustrating, right? Very frustrating. Uh, she realized, you know, I, I'm working with these guys who, are, who keep telling me that they just want to make a difference, but they weren't willing to make a living, you know, doing it. And so she, she made some, you know, kind of realized it was time to make some changes. And she actually put up her hand. We're at a million dollar coach intensive. And she put up her hand and said, what if my market won't, pay this and uh, we had this conversation about who are you to decide what people will and won't pay in fact uh, this coach I, I, uh, one of the first coaches I ever bumped into was this dude called Steve and I remember him telling the story it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks he goes to this you know this husband and wife business I think they ran like a dog kennel you know where you'd leave your dog when you went away and told them about his program and they signed up and they wrote him a check yep. and he comes back a week later for his first coaching session this is back you know in the mid 90s maybe early 2000s, but I think you know, mid to late 90s. He comes back for the first session to the, you know, their country house and he walks in and the house is completely empty, like just floorboards, no you know, furniture, no nothing. And there's like three milk crates on the floor where the lounge used to be. And he said, oh, are you guys renovating or moving house? And they said, no, no, we sold everything to pay for you. And he, like his heart just sank. 
you know, he's just like, well, no, 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 I can't accept this. You know, I'll write you a check right now. I'll refund right away. And they just, they just looked at him point blank at, you know, and just said, mate, who are you to tell us what our definition of whatever it takes should be? Yep, that's fair enough. Yeah, and he, they became his most successful client. Quite extraordinary. Well, they were very committed. And I've seen this discussion pop up in my own community. Some people say, well, if we put a lower price, can't we help more people? And I said, you know what the funny thing is? My highest price clients are the ones who have the most impact on the world. They're the ones I had the same situation. doing serious stuff. They're the ones serving more clients in a more committed way with better solutions. Totally. That's right. And, and I think there's something to be said for, you know, when people pay, they pay attention. And, and that was certainly the case for Gabby. So she's, you know, she made four shifts. And, uh, you know, they, they all started with one. But I'll, I'll label the four so we can kind of, you know, what do you call it in comedy? A callback, kind of an open loopy thing. I'm not, this is not even going to be... You're asking the wrong guy, mate. I'm so not funny. Dude, but I know you... <laughs> dude, you, don't you do a podcast with some comedian guy? Yeah, well, he's did. the funny one. I'm the straight one. Well, you've, you, I'm sure you're there kind of taking geeky notes in Evernote and kind of you're tagging them with... Yes, it is called a callback. Thank you. That's what I would... <laughs> thank you, James, for playing along. <laughs> so there's, there's four parts to the kind of four kind of shifts to made. Let's see, if we mention steak knives again, that, that could be a running theme through the whole thing. Right. Well, I'll get to that. I'll, I'll add some in our second point. How about that? <laughs> so the first thing, you know, she looked at four places. It really started with her changing her avatar or her ideal client getting really clear about who she wanted to work with and who she didn't. So we'll come back and talk about that. That triggered three other changes. It triggered a change in the way that she delivered her business. In other words, a change to the model itself to make it more valuable and also less deliverables, you know, add more value but less stuff. Yep. It triggered a change in her price from being focused on the price of buying it to the cost of not buying it and uh, shift to kind of value instead of price. And then thirdly, it made a change to her, the way she converted from you know, trying to impress her prospects to having them apply and actually her assessing you know, them trying to impress her. Uh, so let's start it with the, the avatar piece because I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, so this is the type of customer that she's selecting. Yeah, avatar is a fancy word. I don't really know where it came from, the word, but basically it means is who, who's your ideal client? Probably Eben Pagan made it popular, but maybe there was someone before him. Yeah, well... I'm going to give Evan the credit because he's a smart dude. He's actually got it. He's smart. So she looked at the client she's got and realized, you know, what is it about them that she does like and what is it about them she doesn't? And she kind of reset the rules about, you know, from now on, I want to do my best work with, you know, with my best kind of client. And anyone who doesn't fit this profile, you know, I'm not going to be the, I'm not going to be able to give them my best. So I'd rather they go somewhere else where they can get really well looked after. In other words, we're filtering. We're filtering. To her, uh, you know, I guess it wasn't surprise, but shock a little bit or terror. When she did this list of here's what an ideal client looks like and here's what it doesn't, she ran her current clients through that filter and 30% of them didn't stack up. So she's got this choice now. Do I keep the clients and live with it or do I stick to my new, you know, kind of new decision and, you know, and call it? And so she did. And so she fired 30% of her clients, which is just, you know, frankly, it's gutsy. Like if, you know, it's a third of her revenue. And but probably more importantly, maybe like sixty percent of her time, right? If you kind of eighty twenty it or whatever. Well, that's the thing we you know we often revenues bandied about as a measurement that's important, but unless you take into account time and profit, mm. you're not really getting to the meat of it. Which is why in our community we use effective hourly rate as a way Perfect. to measure things, and and that's actually coincidentally that's the filter that we set. We one of the filters is. Will the amount of time I have to invest in this bring me enough dollars that when divided by the time equals a good effective hourly rate? 
I think that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to think about because it. Because some people, just, they'll spend 80 hours a month on something that brings them $3,000 and then they'll spend 10 hours on something that brings them $10,000 and they can't see it as plain as day. Yeah, yeah. You should be doing more of that and less of the other one. More of that, a little bit yeah. less of that. Yeah, a little bit less over here, more over there. Effective hourly rate is how we can throw a spotlight on which things we're doing that are worthwhile or not. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's completely it. So she's so she's actually probably found that her best customers yeah take almost no work are also the best implementers. Correct, that's and exactly what she are found. more motivated. And uh, and I bet you people felt really compelled to want to do business with her now that she's become the higher priced expert. Yeah, she does. So what she's done, she she figured out who she wanted and identified ten people. You know, whether clients or not clients who fit this new criteria. And she did what we call an avatar interview. So there's like a 39-point you know, questionnaire, like a, a you know, checklisty thing that you do with clients just to dig into what's really going on in their mind. You know, not just what are they frustrated by and what do they want, but deep-seated, you know, what are they scared of and what are they, you know, what are their hopes and dreams? And she found that the dreams were really different. So the old clients their dream was mm-hmm. to make a difference. And these new, new guys, they all, almost all of them had this, this kind of drive towards freedom. And so she kind of tweaked her business to be focused on helping people mm-hmm. find business freedom, not just make a difference. And it's attracted a different level of clients. So that was really interesting. I think people who really want to serve others realize that you have to look after yourself first because otherwise you're not in a great position to help anyone else. Completely. It's to fit your own mask first and assist the children conversation. Exactly. Yeah. And too often as, as like coaches, consultants, experts, we run around putting our own, you know, putting our masks on everybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, especially the more service oriented someone is predisposed to, is they look after everyone else, but then they'll be depleted. Completely. And so like if, imagine you were actually on a plane and, and you and I both fly a little bit. If the cabin did fill with smoke and lose pressure and stuff and you decided to kind of go all martyr and try to put masks on as many people as you could before you succumbed and kind of croaked on uh, at, uh, at row 37B or whatever it was. How many people do you reckon you could help? I don't know the answer, by the way. I'm curious. Yeah. You might – well, that's it. You, I wouldn't be wanting to take my seatbelt off. So that probably limits me to the one person beside me in business class. Yeah. You'd, pro- you'd probably help one and then go. I think when it all comes down to it. I found an interesting research stat when I was in the car industry at Mercedes-Benz the mm. safest seat in the car is the one behind the driver because in an emergency, a driver will wow. steer to save themselves. The driver's going to protect himself. And if you sit behind them, you're That's one amazing. layer back from the action. But you're in the best path. <laughs> <laughs> this safety tip proudly brought to you by uh, Shramco and Sales Marketing Profit. Dude. No, the bottom line is people are fairly selfish. However, as soon as you start going to more touchy-feely, community servicey type things, they start to become more selfless. And I think they've, they're not selfish enough to actually look after themselves and be able to support themselves so that they can actually really help other people. That's why, yeah. look at that, the, the, one of the richest people in the world also is doing massive work to help people and it can have far greater impact because of his billions of dollars. Yep than the the well-natured person just down the end of the local church here who wants to, you know, help a few kids on Sunday or whatever. Totally right. Totally right. So she's upgraded her avatar and gone, you know what, I want to work with people like this. That meant two changes to her model. Number one, it meant let's stop adding stuff for the sake of it. Let's just give people value instead. Like what do they actually need to get the result and nothing more? Like if you think about in motor racing, it feels like, you know, the teams which are the fastest, sure, they've got, you know, the best engine and best driver, but it's also about like, what can we remove? You know, they remove everything that isn't 
you know, doesn't make the car go faster or handle better and just kind of strip it out. Uh, so it's like, what can we strip back to make the car go faster? And the second thing she did was she changed her program from, you know, it's a 12-month program to it's a forever program. And so it's, you know, we work together for the first 12 months and then after that, it's month to month, you know, but she positioned a forever kind of relationship. So I guess that attracts a different kind of person as well. Um, the third shift she made was price. And I think this is really interesting. Yeah, you know, she went from four and a half grand for her program, you know, four and a half grand for a year to 10 grand for the year. So she like doubled in a, in a, a little bit of it. And then she had to have, she came to me with like, how do I transition? What do I do to people who've already paid? What do I do to people who've already heard the old price? What do I do, and what do I do for kind of referrals? And what do I do for new people? And so we had to have a conversation about, you know, obviously if somebody's in paying the, the, the existing rate, you look after them because they came in at that rate. And so that was the decision there. If somebody's heard the old price and it's about to go up, well, that's a great opportunity to give them one chance to, you know, like on Friday, the price goes up, so jump in now. Yeah, if they're not on board, you've got a great deadline. Yeah, you've got an amazing deadline. It's the best deadline in the world. You know, the price is about to double on Friday, so jump in right now. Uh, same with referrals. Hey, if you've sent us people in the past or if you want to send us somebody, just let, you know, the same deal I've just given you that it's going to go up on Friday, I'll give to any of your friends, so let them know. Grandfathering is, a, is such a good strategy. Anyone on the old price would feel they have such a great discount to market that they're going to stay for a long time. Yeah. And I asked this exact question of Robbie Kelman Baxter who put out a book called The Membership Economy and I interviewed her about this oh, yeah. and uh, she said that it, it's really quite an issue with large corporations and she used to work with companies like Netflix. It's really hard when a company mm. brings out a new plan but one of the key things you can do is add a differentiator or add an extra value item that's not in the old one and a lot of people will want to move towards the new program. Will flick because of the new feature. Yeah, that's totally true. Sorry, then you had conversions. Yeah, conversions. This is really interesting. She sells through a live event and uh, she changed her pitch from, you know, trying to impress like she used to, tap dancing on stage and having people kind of want it, to assess instead, like we talked about in our triage session, where now she's got a, a right fit criteria and people apply and she just, she you know, walks them through the criteria and has them prove to her why they're a match or they're not. And she's gonna now in a position of, you know, power, confidence, whatever you want to call it, where she's calling the shots about who's in her community and not. Pretty cool. Triage is episode 11, one of the most popular episodes we've had in the sales sphere. Anyone who's looking to talk to a customer to move them from a prospect to a customer should be checking in on episode 11, Triage. Thanks, man. Good call. Actually, I, I just wrote a, uh, like a five-page guide on how to do the triage call well. Mm -hmm. So we might put a, a link to that in the show notes too. That's kind of handy. So in terms of Gab, here's the outcome. You know, she, she did these avatar interviews you know, focused on the fears and frustrations and the wants and aspirations of this new target market. Here's kind of the, the happy ending. You know, it's like, number one, she's, she's more than doubled her price. She significantly dropped her workload. And it's kind of had an impact on, you know, on her, her business and her clients. So for her, way less work, way more freedom. And she actually feels, it's kind of funny, even though she's got more freedom, she feels like giving more and she's got more to give now because she's free. Uh, so she's way more passionate. That's for her. The business is more fun. It's got twice as much profit. And she feels like she's, you know, a word we use, kind of arting her business. She's able to kind of create now instead of just kind of in, it, in the grind. And she's loving it. Clients, this is the cool change. Not only has mm -hmm. she raised the standards of what it takes to be a client, but the clients are getting more out of it as well. So they're implementing more, they're winning. She's built a little community that's kind of really loving and supportive of each other. They're helping each other out. And she's actually built a tribe, uh, which is she's super, about, you know, super happy about kind of leading a little movement. Pretty cool. 
That's very cool. The, the tribe is a forever tribe. It's not just uh, they come and then they go like a summer camp. Completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. It's like the new, the new home. So I asked kind of what are your big lessons? You said there's kind of there's three or four. Number one, uh, just ranking your your clients, but frankly, everything in your business versus you know, with the lens of does this give me energy or does it drain it? And if it drains it, it wants to go. Like that's yeah, that's the kind of the real barometer. If it's draining energy, you got to stop doing it right now. Like I had a look at my my week last week, and there was two calls I had on Wednesday. There's nothing wrong with the calls. I just like I don't want to do that kind of call ever again. And so we've put in some new systems to kind of make my Wednesdays about thirteen percent better, just because of never <laughs> going to do that again. Because I just did this kind of energy drain after chatting with Gabby. So number one, is it give you energy or does it drain it? Number two, she said that fit is binary. In other words, like you're either a good match or you're not. And so sometimes we want to like stretch, oh, but maybe I can help them anyway. They're not quite right, but you know, maybe I could. And that's almost always a mistake. So just kind of have your criteria. Always. If you break your if you break your rules, you break your values. It just bites you on the ass, doesn't it? Every time. Every time. I remember building a website for a friend of mine and he dudded me on the payment. And we're not friends anymore. There's nothing worse than being bitten on the ass, James. That's all I'm saying. Especially by a friend. <laughs> I reckon there probably is things <laughs> worse, but it's still not pleasant. It's, yeah, it's I'd say it's in the it's in the bad list, totally. Um, Depends what's biting you. <laughs> Totally. Third thing she learned was don't tell the market what it can afford. Yeah, a lot of people project their own price. Yeah, just don't values across their customers. Yeah. Well, and salespeople do this. They do the uh, they salespeople do the objections on behalf of the customer. And I used to say to them when I was a sales manager, why don't you go out there there and let the customer tell you they've got a problem with this? You know, rather than you come in here trying to beat me down on price, why don't you go out there and help the customer see value in it. And besides, if they're not even asking for a discount, why are you volunteering completely. it? It's mental. It's completely crazy. So we've just got to stop assuming what our clients can and can't do. And I think uh, you know, a really interesting distinction is to think about what does it cost them? Like we were always going, oh, but my program costs this. Yeah, but what does it cost them not to do your stuff? That's a good way to think about it. Uh, the other way that's really cool to think about it is if you're feeling guilty about people giving you money, remember – what I was saying about being selfish, mm. they're not throwing money at you because you're a good person. <laughs> they're investing in themselves, like the people who sold their furniture. Completely. Yeah, they're not doing it for you. They didn't sell the furniture yeah. for the coach. They did it for them. They yeah. were making an investment in their future and it sounds like they were the most successful students. They totally were. They totally were. The last thing that she said she learned was just to kind of, if she was doing it all again, she probably bit off yeah, you know, a few too many projects at once, and she just said, "Yeah, you know, I just got, I'm just back now into the rhythm of just focusing on one project at a time and getting it done." So doing less things and being really good at them. Yeah, hundred percent. Doing less things and also less things simultaneously. Well, let's do our customary wrap up of the episode. Yeah. In short, this person was in the same situation as many people find themselves in. A bit frustrated. Customers not not the best. Not getting enough money for the amount of effort involved. So the four main things that were changed were different customers, which we call avatar, changing the packaging, which you've called business model, adjusting the price to reflect a better investment on behalf of the customer, and then improving the conversion process where you're not working so hard to convince people that they should do business with you. Now they're working hard to convince you to take them on. Exactly right. If you do all those things, then you're going to end up with a better business. So what would be the action steps? Yeah, so kind of three things that Gabby said. Number one, 
yeah, upgrade, you know, the show's got, this episode's called The Upgrade. It's like, upgrade your avatar. Figure out, have a look at the clients you've got and go, what about my current client load do I love? What gives me energy and what takes it away? And maybe it's time to, to raise the bar a little bit about who you're working with. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, once you've figured out who you want, identify some people like that and interview them. And you don't need the, you know, the avatar questions to do it just, but even if you just make, you know, make full list, what are their frustrations right now and what are their fears? What are their wants? And what are their aspirations? If you're going to dig into that, you're going to learn some stuff about them that you didn't know before, which is going to help you decide what to put in the program to make it more valuable for them. Yep. And then the third lesson is just you know bring your bring the best of you to your best clients. Uh, life is too short to be doing you know stuff you're not that great at with people who you don't love. Let's just do what we love with people who are great for us. Fantastic. Well, that was all killer no filler, Taki. That's how we roll, man. That's exactly how we roll. That it's is nice how to be we back. roll. Yeah, nice to be back in the saddle with you, dude. So if you want to download the case study notes here, then Sales Marketing Profit episode 23, I think we're at. Download our notes. We the are. upgrade. The upgrade. Bro, this has been fun. I think it's your turn next. I can't wait to see what you've been cooking. Oh, you'll be surprised, Taki. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you then. See you then. Bye. You're listening to SMP with James Schramko and Taki Moore. Visit salesmarketingprofit.com. 